Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Well, good morning, church. My name is Amanda. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the team here at C3 Church Watson. Today, we're going to be talking about communication and conflict resolution. So every one of us will benefit in life if we can do these things well. The purpose of communication is connection. Connection is at the heart of every relationship, and I'm sure that it's not a surprise to anyone that if we communicate well, it impacts our relationships well. In the book of James, the tongue is likened to a rudder on a ship. It's so small, yet it directs a ship through great seas. And Proverbs 18 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we live in the consequences of our communications. How we relate to each other can build connection or it can kill connection. This is as true in our everyday conversations as it is when it comes to resolving conflicts. So your words have power. So communication starts with you. It starts with each of us. I'm going to touch on two quick points that can help us with our communications and then I'm going to hand over to Nick. So firstly, know yourself better to communicate better. Self-understanding is fundamental to communication and resolving conflict. How you feel and what you believe about yourself, what you value, your expectations, your insecurities, your fears, will all shape the way that you connect with others in your life. We filter what others do and what they say and what they don't do and what they don't say through these things and they'll shape how we want to respond. Matthew 12 says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, God has done a work in me around rejection. But I know that at times I can still be sensitive to, you know, messages of rejection from others, or what I perceive to be messages of rejection from others. I can read into things that are never really there. And when I'm feeling rejected, I want to push people away. I want to shut them out. And because I know that rejection can be there as a bit of a filter, you know, I can keep working on it with God, but I can also choose to not view my interactions with others through it. See, Jesus experienced so much rejection in his life, but he never responded out of it. When Jesus was arrested, one of his disciples, Peter, was asked three times by three different people if he knew Jesus, and three times Peter denied knowing him. You know, Peter actually rejected Jesus when he denied him. And maybe people have actually rejected you. But later, after Jesus had been crucified and rose again, he went to Peter. He didn't push him away, but he invited him in. And he gave him the opportunity to make it right and to restore relationship. Romans 12 says, when people harm us, we repay them with blessing. Jesus blessed Peter. He looked beyond the offence. Jesus was more interested in who Peter was to become. You see, Peter would go on to, to lead the establishment of the church. Can you imagine where we would be today if Jesus had responded to Peter out of rejection? So what's in you impacts the way that you relate to others. Not just the hurting parts, but your hopes and your dreams as well. The things that you value. God can show you what's in your heart. And he can help you to choose to look beyond it if you need to so that your relationships are blessed. Which brings us to our second point. Know your goal. 
What do you want to achieve in communication and conflict resolution? Because what you want to achieve will determine what and how you communicate. Every time we want to address an issue, we should ask ourselves, what outcome do I want at the end of this? And we need to be honest with ourselves. Because in conflict, hurt and offence can so easily be in the driver's seat and we can be singularly focused on getting justice. In John 8, we read about a woman who'd been caught in adultery and she'd been dragged out um, in front of a crowd of people to pay for her crime. And by the law at that time, the penalty for what she had done um, was to be stoned by those people. And in walks Jesus. The crowd asks him what should be done with her. Now Jesus knew the law, but he also knew that none of the crowd that were condemning her were without fault in their own lives. Yet they wanted justice. But Jesus was more interested in the woman's healing and transformation. He did not condemn her. Maybe you can see a, a pattern here in the way that Jesus responds to people. He's more interested in their growth. Philippians 2 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. See, justice would have dealt with the woman's offence, but Jesus extended grace and truth to bring a better outcome. And the better outcome will require more grace than you think you can give at times. The ideal goal for conflict resolution, whether it's with a friend or a spouse, a work colleague, whoever it might be, is one that doesn't just make things right for you, but one that builds you and builds the other and, and builds the relationship. The goal might be to understand each other better, to rebuild trust, to learn new ways of relating to each other or to find a solution that works for both parties. But we need to lay down the need for justice, for the bigger goal. Justice will come, but it won't be brought by your hand. So what's the better outcome you want in your relationships right now? You can know yourself and know your goal. I'm going to hand over to Nick. Well, thanks, Amanda. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm one of the members of the church here at C3 Watson. And continuing on with the topic today or topics of communication and conflict resolution. You know, it was George Bernard Shaw who said that one of the greatest problems with communication is the illusion that it's actually taken place. Uh, I hope that's not our problem today, but I'm sure we've all experienced good and maybe not so good communication. Uh, in talking about communication, I just want to talk about one thing, listening. Uh, you know, active listening uh, can be such an important thing for our life, for our relationships, even for your career. If you can develop that skill, and it is a skill that can be learned of active listening, it puts you in good stead in so many arenas, so many facets of life. And it's also an attitude, I think, of the heart, is um, being interested in people versus being interesting. And so, as we heard last week in James 1, 19, um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So for me, when I think about that, I think with my ears, and look, we've each got two of them, or most of us do, and one mouth, and that should be a clue for us, is with two ears and one mouth, be quick with your ears and slow with the mouth. I don't mean talk slow, I mean slow of what comes out. So be quick to listen and slow when we talk. That's really important, uh, I think, when it comes to listening. But there are some skills that we can learn. Um, being fully present. Um, bringing your full self, being fully present. 
respectful, not passing judgment, not giving advice when we're listening, and empathy, putting ourselves in other people's shoes. Um, that really means listening to understand versus being understood. So being present, being respectful, and, and showing empathy. And you know what, I think one of the other things that's really good when it comes to listening is asking questions, especially if they're open-ended. You know, the power of a question is huge. Jesus asked a lot of questions. Um, who do people say that I am? Do you want to get well? Are you going to leave me too? Um, you know, I could ask you a question right now. Um, have you brushed your teeth this morning? Um, are you still wearing your pyjamas? Um, they're, <laughs> I'm just checking you're still with me. Um, they're, they're not so important questions, but I, I'd really love to know the answers. Um, a good question is, what's your questions to statements ratio? What I mean by that is, how many statements do you make in a day versus how many questions do you ask? Hey, write them down. Um, you might be interested to find out uh, the ratio that exists there. So questions to statements. Be curious. Be interested in people. Um, so listening, I think, is the key thing in communication. In terms of conflict, um, you know, what we've all been in conflict. There's healthy conflict and there's unhealthy conflict. Um, so there's some rules of engagement, if we could call it that. Um, there's four things. Let's call them the four horsemen. The four horsemen of conflict. And hey, I've, I've ridden these all the time. Well, not all the time, but at times. And, and hopefully getting better. I'm a reformed uh, uh, conflict person. And, and, and used to, I tend to gravitate a little bit towards conflict. Um, what I mean by that is I don't like to cause conflict, but I'll tend to move towards it rather than away. So that's a bit of a bias for me, so I should acknowledge that. But the four horsemen, the first one is criticism. Criticism is when you put somebody else down and you tend to talk in absolutes. Like, you always do that. Um, or you never, ever do that. Or what is wrong with you? Those sorts of statements. Uh, they put the other person down, they create a win-lose type situation. So the antidote to um, criticism is to start slowly. Start with I. You know, I feel when you do that, or I feel frustrated or a bit angry or whatever it may be, I feel like this when you do that and I would really appreciate it if you could do that differently. So starting slowly, starting with I, is a really good antidote to that. The second one is of the four horsemen is defensiveness. And Pastor Paul spoke great and at great length yes, last week on defensiveness. The antidote to defensiveness is to take responsibility. There's a great saying that says, my response is my responsibility. So if you're feeling defensive, say it with me, my response is my responsibility. The third of the four horsemen, and probably the one that can do the most damage, I think, is contempt. This one can really blow relationships out of the water. If you feel and act superior to somebody else, um, or if you are generally disgusted with them, then trying to resolve an issue or maintain a relationship is really hard to do. So it's probably the most serious out of the whole lot of the four horsemen. And the antidote to contempt is appreciation. Remembering that that person is created in God's image as well and showing appreciation. Hey, we all have redeeming qualities and, and um, can be redeemed by Christ in every way, but we all have something that is positive. So catch um, somebody doing something good. If it's your husband or wife or brother or sister or a parent or a work colleague, they're going to have something positive that they do do. Catch them doing that and then show your appreciation. The fourth one of the four horsemen is stonewalling. It's when you're physically present but you've withdrawn from the interaction. Okay, and it often comes when we feel criticised. We stonewall and withdraw. So the antidote to stonewalling is to have a time out. 
If you come home and you're under attack straight away or feeling criticised, just say, look, can I just take 30 minutes? I need to go for a walk or have a shower. This conversation's really important to me and I'll come back to you. So the antidote to stonewalling is to take a time out. Hey, with all these things, pick one, start with a baby step. We often overestimate what we can do in one day and underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks very much for that, Nick. That was really good. And uh, we've got some questions that the church members have been invited to send in to us, and these are our top four picks. So I'm going to start with a question for Nick. And the question is, this person tends to avoid conflicts. How can someone like me discuss an issue that concerns me when I know that it may cause tensions to rise? Mm, Yeah, thanks, Paul, and thanks to... Uh, whoever sent that question in, I think, for being self-aware of that potential avoidance of conflict. And I think to normalise that, it's really something that we can all have all done at some point in time is avoid conflict and probably will again. So it's quite normal. Um, I think some of the things that are important is Proverbs 25.11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So uh, an appropriate word is a really good thing. Um, Also that there's tools and, and we just talked about the four horsemen of conflict. There's tools and practices that we have and we can put into place. Um, I also think it's important to, um, other than being in an abusive relationship, I think it's important to think that it's good to um, have these conversations, although the potential for conflict may be there and tensions may rise, it generally speaking is a good thing to have them. So I think that's important to say. The other thing I'd say is in terms of a, a word called differentiation. And what I mean by that, um, and this is something to think about, is it's, it's about um, what other people's thoughts and emotions and decisions, how they can affect us. In other words, do other people's thoughts, feelings, emotions, decisions have power over us? And the less power that other people's thoughts, feelings, emotions, decisions have over us, the more differentiated we are. So if you look at Christ, he was very differentiated. He loved people, he asked questions, he gave full attention to people. But he was very fully differentiated. He didn't let other people's opinions, emotions, decisions, feelings sway him about what he, who he was and what he needed to do. We don't get to be fully def- differentiated in this life, but I think it's a journey we continue on. And so just keeping that, I suppose, in mind in the background about that, that dynamic and growing in that. Fantastic. Yeah, very important. Thank you, Nick. A uh, question for Amanda. I keep forgiving a family member only to be hurt again and again. How do I deal with someone who keeps harming the relationship when they're so close to me every day? Thanks, Paul. It's a, it's a really good question. Um, you know, forgiveness is absolutely critical when we're, when we're feeling hurt and, and how we respond to hurt. But it's also important that we address the issues. Um, you know, we need to be able to talk to people. We need to be able to um, let people know how we're feeling and what it is that we... Um, feel needs to cha- you know, feel that needs to change in the relationship or in the way that that they're treating us. If people don't know they're hurting us, then they can't change it. Um, and sometimes addressing that comes through putting really kind of strong boundaries in place, particularly around that area of, of hurt. Um, so that that means you know knowing the limitations. Boundaries are meant to be kind of fences, not walls. So it's not about shutting people out, um, but it's about making sure that people are aware that, that that's that okay. That's not okay. That treatment. Um, and we have to make that really clear. We have to talk about what that means for us. So, you know, for example, if, if um, someone's speaking aggressively towards you, it's, it's a matter of saying, you know, 
I love you, I'm, I'm invested in um, this relationship and resolving whatever conflicts or issues come across our path, but um, it's not okay for you to speak aggressively towards me when you're, you're angry. Um, so, you know, when that happens, I'm, I'm going to leave the room, the, the conversation's going to be over. When you're ready to speak to me in a respectful way, you know, let's get back together. So, you know, we put those boundaries in place, but we need to also follow through on them. So, you know, make sure that when the, the boundary's been violated, we actually follow through on what we say. Um, you know, and like I said, forgiveness is really critical. Um, but outside of the marriage relationship, there are certain relationships that we don't have to stay in. You know, if they're toxic, if they're, they're continually harmful, we're continually getting hurt, then we need to consider, is this a relationship that, that um, still needs to be a part of my life? Yeah, very good. Yes, I've had to pull back a little bit from some professional relationships in my, in my career. Uh, for that reason. Thanks, Amanda. So back to Nick. How do I deal with a situation where I suspect that someone close to me is lying, but they deny it? Well, um, let me just first say that's a, that's a big question. Um, that's a big topic. Um, perhaps you'd normally, and, and thank you for the question, perhaps you'd normally go into that situation and story and the context of all that, not, notwithstanding that. Um, I think it's an issue of trust at the core. Um, so trust being a really important thing. Um, Jeremiah 17, 7 came to mind for this question. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted by the riverbank whose roots go down deep in the water. So trust being a key thing and, and is generally made up of three things, expectations, needs and promises. So our expectations um, are fully in, in God. Um, he meets all our needs and he's over 3,000 promises he never breaks. So we can have full expectations, needs and promises in him. So if you think of big T trust is in God and we take our little T trust out into the world. The Bible doesn't say trust in man. Um, it says trust in God. And from that um, place of being held, if you like, we go out into the world and... and Breaking of trust can happen and does happen, uh, really, to all of us. So I think that's a really important part of it. And the other thing I would say, because there's a how in there, um, or starts with a how, is I would pray to God and ask him to reveal what is going on. And that's a prayer that he will answer. Maybe not straight away, but he will answer it. So from the position of big T trust, um, asking God to reveal it. And then there's practical things that we can do around is this a feeling or a sense that I have? Um, is there some evidence to support this? Um, and then it's perhaps having a really crucial conversation with that person, albeit again, um, and they may deny it. Um, but I think it's important to take those steps, but it comes from that bedrock foundation, big T, trust with God first, and then the crucial conversation with him, and then we move out from that. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Nick. Some really important keys there. And the last question today is for Amanda. What are practical ways to be a peacemaker as opposed to a peacekeeper? Sure. Well, the Bible does tell us that, you know, the blessing comes for the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Um, so to be a, a peacekeeper, it tends to be quite a passive response where there's conflict. Um, so someone who's a peacekeeper, you know, doesn't want to rock the boat. It's about avoiding conflict, avoiding addressing issues, just to try and maintain this, you know, facade that peace is there, when in reality it's just not. Um, whereas peacemaking, it's a very active process. It's about um, recognising that conflict um, and working through conflict 
can actually grow our relationship um, and that, you know, sometimes we have to fight for peace. It's, we need to address those things. We need to push in and make sure that um, we're not letting things build up to the point where they blow up. Um, so we have to have those conversations really clearly. We need to be able to, to communicate what we are needing to change very clearly and assertively but lovingly as well um, and respectfully as well. Um, so really it's about not shying away from the issue but ensuring that you move towards it and move towards each other at the same time. Very good. Uh, do you have any comment about peacemaking at all, Nick? Oh, I just love the idea between the peacemaking and the peacekeeping. I think that's such an important differentiation because you can get caught up in peacekeeping um, and it sort of avoids it in the, the, the there and now, but it's a it's like a credit card, isn't it? It's like it's, there's a deferred pain that comes later if you do it. So, yeah, it's good. It's best to go into the dark tunnel early rather than late. Eat the frog. <laughs> the frog. <laughs> that reminds me uh, that there's a book called Eat the Biggest Frog First or something or Eat the Frog and that reminds me that uh, both Nick and Amanda um, have got resources that have helped them uh, gain wisdom on their way apart from the Word of God of course. But if you would like to know more you can welcome to email the office and uh, I can forward those questions to these guys and uh, if you'd like to know some books that might help in specific situations and so on that they'd recommend please go ahead and do that. But uh, thank you very much, Nick and Amanda, for your wisdom and insight today and for your earlier words. And look forward to um, hearing about some breakthroughs in people's lives as a result of your messages today. Thanks, Paul. God bless. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.